From the capital city, I'm Kevin Allen. After five years as the head administrator of the Juneau School District, Superintendent Bridget Weiss announced she plans to quit her position early next summer. She made the announcement last week to staff and spoke to the decision on Action Line. I will be uh, at our next board meeting next week. Uh, I'll be submitting my uh, formal letter of, of retirement uh, resignation from uh, the Juneau School District and uh, effective June 30th. So that's an important piece I want people to know uh, because we have a lot of really important months ahead of us and a lot of work to be done. But I did want you know to make sure that the board had lots of time to sort out what their process would be and to... Um, have plenty of time to attract good candidates for Juno. She said she will stay in Juno. Juno is my home. It always has been. Um, it will stay my home. And uh, I think that as a professional educator, to have the opportunity to really support uh, the school system in that I'm a product of uh, and, and a community that I count as home, was a really is a big privilege and I think that uh, you know certainly some things I'm proud of are working our way through an unprecedented situation. Meanwhile she said there was also recent leadership changes at the school board. In that process last week at our uh, board retreat uh, we had a shift in leadership for our officers so this coming year, Dee Dee Sorensen will be our uh, school board president, Emil Mackey will be our vice president, and Will Muldoon will be the clerk. And so uh, that will provide the board leadership for the coming year. Juneau Superintendent Bridget Weiss. Juneau Mayor Beth Weldon does not see another City Hall question coming before voters anytime soon. She spoke to that on Action Line. She was asked for her reaction to the failed ballot proposition to fund a new city hall. Um, I was disappointed. I thought we did a pretty good job explaining why the current city hall isn't doing very well. And I think I'll have to give hats off to Mr. Bryson. Did a good job trying to get around town, trying to explain that. But I also believe it taught the assembly that we probably should have spent the $25,000 to advocate for city hall and just mainly to get information out there. Weldon says there are options. When you read the ballot, or the proposition, I should say, on the ballot, it talks about increasing the mill rate, and we have to do that by law, telling how much of a mill rate it would be. But in this particular case, it would not likely increase our mill rate because our debt service was going down, but that's hard message to get out to everybody. And, well, there are some options, and we'll consider those. I don't think we'll see any movement on it anytime soon, but um, further down the road. She was asked about the current hall, which is estimated to cost $12 million to renovate. I'll just speak to myself personally because we haven't certainly brought this up yet. I see it as throwing good money after bad myself. It's Even if we renovate it to a beautiful building, it's still way too small for us. It's only a third of our employees, so it just doesn't make some more sense, much sense to do that. So I think you'll see other options of looking at other properties and or waiting until our debt service does go down and so the voters can understand that a little bit more. And made this prediction. I'll make a prediction. I don't see us having anything on the ballot this year for sure, and I don't see us spending $12 million on the building that we're currently in. Again, that's just my viewpoint. Juno Merritt Beth Weldon.
U.S. Representative Mary Peltola devised debate called partisanship a threat to the country as she sought to make the case for re-election to the seat she's held since September against challengers, including Republican Sarah Palin. Peltola beat Palin and Republican Nick Baggage in a ranked-choice August special election to fill the remainder of the late Republican Representative Don Young's term, which ends in January. The three, along with Libertarian Chris Bayh, are candidates in a November 8th election for a full two-year term. Palin and Baggage have urged voters to rank the Red, or the Republican candidates. The candidates were asked... How would you make sure that salmon is maintained for generations to come for all Alaskans? Peltola spoke to seeking out more information on the status of fisheries, as well as bycatch. I think that we have to urge our managers at both the federal and state level to really invest. And, and, and I want to be part of making sure that we have adequate funding to do research and surveys to see what really is going on. But we can't just wait. We've got to take precautionary management. We cannot allow metric tons of bycatch of juvenile salmon, crab, and halibut to be thrown overboard every year. Um, this has led to a very devastating collapse of not only salmon but halibut, and now we're seeing it in the crab industry as well. We've got to get a hold on our bycatch as well as find out some of the reasons why we're having such low productivity in the Bering Sea right now. Baggage urged caution on how the Magnuson-Stevens Act is reauthorized. I think it's important to understand that we had a record year in Bristol Bay this year. And so when we see these dramatically declining runs in areas of our state, we see other areas of the state that are succeeding very well. So we need to look at those areas that are succeeding and, and see if we can draw some lessons from that. I think trawl bycatch is a big issue, and that's something that needs to be addressed immediately. I think that we need to be careful about how we go through our Magnuson-Stevens uh, Act reauthorization and making sure that we're, we're putting precision language into the act that is actually going to demonstrably improve the sustainability of these fisheries. We have a mandate under the state constitution for a maximum sustainable yield, and every fishery in this state needs to be managed with that objective. By said that industry needs to be more involved to lower their catch. I'm a fishing guide, and on the Chena, I saw three king salmon this year. Three, total. And I spent 50 plus days on the Chena. I agree with Ms. Patola on the bycatch, but just throwing it back doesn't solve the problem. I, I honestly think we need to get industry more involved in reducing their catch. Otherwise, it's not going to be there. It's only a renewable resource until it's all gone. And I, I think just like what Mr. Nick just said about the Magnuson-Stevens Act, Ms. Patola has decided that we're going to use race as, a, as an increase for the seats allocations on the council. I would say it needs to be done by region so that it prioritizes all Alaskans for, the, for, for salmon renewal. And Palin spoke against illegal fishing activities. Near and dear to my heart, the fish issues um, having for years set netted on the Nushigak in Bristol Bay. And as your governor... Knowing that our state is doing a good job, fishing game, we do maximize um, our resources, and this is a renewable resource, the fish are. We, we manage it for maximum sustained yield and perpetuity is the ideal. It's the feds who lack the enforcement, the bycatch laws that uh, too many people are getting away with, especially foreign trawlers. They're not allowing those salmon to get back to where they need to be to spawn. 
We need to bust these people who are doing these illegal activities. You take their vessels, you take their gear, you take their permits, and um, we start teaching them a lesson. Republican U.S. Senator Lisa Murkowski said Alaskans want results, not partisan political rhetoric, as she faced her Donald Trump-backed Republican rival Kelly Shabaka in a televised debate. Shabaka on Thursday questioned the value of Murkowski's seniority and said it's time for a change. The candidates were asked, what can you do to take action in Congress that will help stabilize the cost of energy in Alaska? Shabaka answered first. In Congress, I think you take a multifaceted approach. You've got to get nominees in that support energy development and lower prices. The incumbent has voted for radical nominees that are actually driving this problem for us. I think we also need to support energy and gas development and the refineries here in Alaska and energy production of renewable energy that will help drive down the prices here in Alaska. The energy policy discussion isn't just a policy discussion, it's actually a personal discussion. My parents were homeless before I was born, and when you have these kind of costs of energy, making it all the way through Alaska, talking to these families around the state, it's very hard to move from a poverty or lower class into the working class and get a new start for yourself when you are absolutely overcome and burdened by this. It affects everything, food and transportation and freight and trying to move up in the world. So we need to be really mindful of that when we're advocating in D.C. that these are real Alaskans and real Alaskans' lives that are really hurting and suffering, and that's really important. Having worked back there for 16 years overseeing federal agencies, there's a lot we can do to get the bureaucracy to work for us instead of against us. The debate also included Democrat Pat Chesbrough. The refinery issue is really important. Um, My understanding was four of the refineries in California were recently shut down all at the same time, which made our gas prices skyrocket. But we also need to make sure that our our rural areas are affected, are helped with this. I sit next to a man on the planning commission who delivers fuel, and he delivers fuel by airplane to villages. And how, how much do you think it costs for diesel to come via airplane? Very, very expensive. So we need to do renewables. We need to find what is the area, what's the best thing in the area. And it could be the nuclear mini plants that they're talking about. It could be wind. It could be solar. It could be thermal. We have a lot of things going on. We need to get these, this energy to people that needs to be affordable. Murkowski spoke to increasing domestic energy production for renewables. Energy is something that I have focused so much of my my time in the Senate on. It is not just a problem that we're dealing with now. Yes, it is accentuated. It's even more accentuated because of what is happening uh, in in Ukraine with Russia. But our reality is, is unless we are producing more as a country, we will be beholden to the prices that are set by OPEC. We're going to be we are we will be beholden to those who really don't like us. So everything that we can do to to produce more for ourselves, and this is not just in the oil and gas space. This is about America's energy opportunities, everything from wind and solar and biomass and geothermal and, and tidal. It's bringing it all together. Right now we're dealing with an administration, though, that has a different view of resource production. That's been a mistake. It's putting us at a disadvantage, and so every day pushing back against them is what we have to do. Audio credit to KTOU and Alaska Public Media. The Juneau Docks and Harbors Board has the results from a study on rate changes. Board Chair Don Etheridge said the respondents support increases, but only if the services are kept at the same level. 
a lot of it people were were interested in in a modest rate increase if we can maintain the services as they are now and that's we're going to have to do an increase to to maintain services or we're going to have to start cutting services because we just don't have the the uh, income coming in that that we need to do that um HDR is going to give us a uh, uh on the 17th of November they're going to give us a uh a presentation, a final presentation on their their rate study they did for us. The report recommends a 9% increase or ask additional funding from the city. That's what's, what we're going to take is, is theirs was a 9% increase if all these other funding sources came to fruition, which probably won't happen. I, I would be totally amazed if we even got half of them. Um, so it's it's going to be more than a nine percent in order to get what what they're looking at uh, that we're looking at for uh, we're we're having to look now at replacement costs and we have to build a fund for replacement costs for these facilities. Etheridge explained that their fund sources include project funding from the one percent sales tax and grants. The only other funding that we get is occasionally we get money monies from the uh, city like the, like the 1%. That's the only other funding that we get. Uh, we're, we're an enterprise board and we're supposed to be carrying our own water and, and not being going back to the to city for operational funds. But we do go to them for capital funds on occasion and that's where we're, we we uh, get money like we did with this uh, 1% increase, uh, continuation of the tax. So, Juno Dachshund Harbor's board member, Don Etheridge. The FAA wants to hear from passengers about the size of airline seats. The agency, tasked by Congress to establish minimum airplane seat standards, is asking for suggestions from the flying public via the FAA website. ABC's Whit Johnson has more. From tight legroom to squeezing into those middle seats, many passengers have had enough as airplane seats have gotten progressively smaller. But the FAA wants to hear all about it, giving Americans up until November 1st to comment on those nagging airline woes. Most planes are not comfortable to begin with. Give me just a little bit more on the waistline. More than 20,000 people have already submitted feedback. This will help the FAA create new federal standards for seat sizes with minimum dimensions of passenger seats that may be necessary for safety, including airplane evacuations. Never miss a story or a newscast at KINYradio.com. Now you're up to date. For News of the North, this is Kevin Allen.